I'm on. I'm rare. I'm here. Praise God. So good to be in a full house this morning. And I love coming and preaching in this house because there's such a long runway. You know, you can go from here to there. Man, it's awesome. Because it means that you don't dare not off to sleep because any moment I could be standing right in front of you when you wake up. Praise God. So this morning I want my beloved, I asked her to come. I want her to stand up, turn around, give her a cheer. Married to this wonderful woman for 40 years now. How good is that? There's a lot of faces I don't know here, so I assume you don't know me much either. So, a lot of years married, nine kids, 17 to 40. There's something to swallow on, isn't there? Got serious about breeding kids. (laughs) Praise God. And Sandy is definitely my number one supporter. Hallelujah. Everyone who serves God needs a really good supporter. Praise God. So I was thinking, just to put you in context, this used to be our home church in the late 80s. We pioneered Boyntanum Christian Church in 1991. We're still there. I've got two years left. Then I'm going to sneak into semi-retirement and let the young ones run hard. Praise God. And as I was thinking of, uh, you young folk probably saw me put my practical iPad. (laughs) I know it's going to stay there facing me. It's not going to do any weird things, you know. I trust that uh, none of you young folk thought, because I put paper here, I'm out of date. (laughs) I had someone really bless me a couple of months ago, said I was old school. I'm not quite sure what old school means. Uh, Maybe antiquated. (laughs) I don't know. But I want to assure you, and I think particularly to young people, this message today. And there was a handout, and that was so that if you had a pen, you could write notes or you could comp- take a photo and put it on your phone. But it's so that when you go home, you can actually be rejogged about what I shared with you this morning. And so the background, I've never preached this before. I've never preached on the topic of loyalty before. About three weeks ago, I was filling in some time in Rocky and I went and watched a movie. And I really regret the movie I watched. It was a rubbish movie. But in this movie, it was about two men that had competing enterprises. And they basically competed against each other. 
and through the movie they're actually doing some life together. And so there's a little bit of argy-bargy between these lifetime competitors and they're having a bit of a hack at one another. And in one place in the movie, one guy says to the other, he says, how committed are you to the clients that you serve? And he sort of said, well, I, I give them the best business that I could possibly give them. And uh, the other guy said, but would you be willing to lay down your life for your client? And, of course, the guy he was having a hack at says, no, nah, not at all. I just offer the best business. And the other guy, he comes back, he says, you know, whenever I sign a contract, he said, my life is on the line to deliver the goods. It was just, it was a bit of, maybe a little bit of sense in a crazy movie. But the next morning as I was driving to work and this part of sense in this crazy movie was just jingling in my mind, God said to me, what would it be, what would it mean to be loyal to God? And I want to help you this morning just to think a little bit about what it might mean to be loyal to God. Because I don't know that it's a word that we think a lot about. I think it's something that we have to learn. But it's worth thinking about because as I pondered, you know, the fact that God posed the question to me suggested that it was important to him. Our loyalty to him. Or we might coin it the other way, our disloyalty to him. And uh, I think disloyalty is pretty easy to do. <laughs> loyalty really takes some digging out and establishing, maintaining and keeping in your life. So uh, maybe I might just start with a little definition of loyalty. We'll work out from there. <laughs> this is from some dictionary somewhere. <laughs> it's the quality of being loyal. That's what loyalty is. It's being loyal. And uh, so uh, strong feelings of support or allegiance. Oh, there's another word that we don't talk much about, allegiance. If uh, we might put another word beside there, that'd be the opposite, would be tyranny. And so synonyms for the word loyal, allegiance, faithfulness, obedience, homage, devotion, bond, so, maybe not 
a word that we think much about. And maybe the one place that we would contemplate loyalty and and where it's really powerful in relationships is the relationship between a guy and a girl, a husband and wife, a boyfriend, girlfriend, in that sort of relationship. Loyalty. In fact, you know, uh, I watched on towards... I watched on towards the end of last year seeing a, a dear friend who was planning to be married in May this year find out that his fiancée was cheating on him. I watched this dear friend look like he'd had the stuffing kicked out of him over an issue of disloyalty. It was just called simply cheating. I just, I just had a little cheat. But to my friend, it kicked the absolute stuffing out of him. I think he's nelly over it. It's gone quiet in here. It's good to be quiet sometimes. You see, that's probably one of the main areas that we would consider loyalty. And, you know, in the midst of marriage counselling, maybe you watch Dr. Phil, the greatest marriage counsellor. And uh, he, he would... Uh, he would talk about that sort of cheating that maybe it would be a deal breaker. That if you were disloyal and cheated on someone, maybe your partner, maybe your boyfriend, your girlfriend, he'd say, oh, well, there's a good possibility that's a deal breaker. The deal is off. I wonder if we'd ever consider if God would have deal breakers. You know, if, if God posed the question to me, what would it mean to, be disloyal, uh, mean to be loyal? He obviously considers that it's an issue to be disloyal. And I think in the midst of modern day Christianity, we might all have the simple answer, God forgives everything, doesn't he? Or does he? Or does he? Oh, I just want to put that in there as a question mark. Because God does forgive everything. but there's also loyalty and disloyalty into the mix of that. If I was to just continually live disloyal to God, 
thinking that he was forgiving everything. My Bible tells me you could be in for a shock. Because my God is a God to be revered and to be feared and to be respected. He's not my plaything. He is the God of the universe. Loyalty. Disloyalty. So I want to just this morning try and paint a little picture of loyalty. As a believer in Christ, what does it mean to be loyal? What does it mean to be loyal to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world? Because surely... The Savior of the world is more than just a convenience to you and I. Surely, he didn't die just for our convenience. So let me just uh, refer to my practical iPad here. Let me look at a couple of scriptures with you. Acts 26, 14 to 18 has a couple of words in here. It's, it's about the Apostle Paul speaking. He's talking about the day he got saved. He says, the Word of God says, We all fell down and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? Man, it's so good to have that screen up there. That's nearly cheating. It is useless for you to fight against my will. Praise God. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and my witness. Tell the people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. Is the gospel. The gospel is from us turning from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. You see, Jesus came with his glorious rescue plan to grab you and I out of the kingdom of darkness and translate us into the kingdom of light. Isn't that wonderful that he did that for us? That he came and grabbed us from one, whoa, into a whole new realm. Now in Colossians 1, 13 to 14, it says, for he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son 
who purchased our freedom and forgave us our sins. I wonder if we could consider it disloyalty if we were living in the kingdom of light but playing in the kingdom of darkness. Would that be disloyalty? I've got some heads going, hey, yay. That would be disloyalty, wouldn't it? To say, to act like you were in the kingdom of God. How easy is it to say, I am a Christian? It's easy, isn't it? But the inference is that if you say, I am a Christian, you're saying, I live in the kingdom of light and I have nothing to do with the kingdom of darkness. Jesus has rescued me out of that place and it has no hold, it has no influence, it has no impact on me because I'm a child of light. Mm. That's the inference when we say, I am a Christian. But where you live either backs up your statement or undermines your statement. Because there is a difference between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And, and we, all, we all should go, what beauty! Oh, I am so glad that I can tell the difference. Because if it was just mythical zone and you never knew, well, you'd never know. But we can know. We can assess where we're living we can actually read the word and it'll tell us where we're living. Maybe we might just, oh, Howard, you're in trouble this morning. Praise God. Might skip that bit. iPad just played up. I was going to read you 2 Corinthians 6.14 where it says, you know, believers and unbelievers have, they're different. They're different. They're not, well, we got to hang out with people in the darkness. How else can they get saved? But, but we're not to partner with them. We're not to be bonded. We're not to be linked because they impact who we are. So let's skip on. I've got this little heading, the outworking in the true believer. We'll just, I'll try and just run to that. Finish now. Okay. Galatians 2.20. Here's the Apostle Paul talking about his Christian life. This is the definition that he uses 
when he says, I'm a Christian. And I trust that we'll all work towards this being the truth for us because if this is the truth, we'll get the boots blessed off us. Because here's my understanding. (laughs) If you've got a foot in the kingdom of light and a foot in the kingdom of darkness, there has got to be confusion There's got to be pain. There's got to be lies that you're believing. And, and, you know, as far as God's grace and his goodness, it's going to be messed up. Okay, so Paul's definition of I'm a Christian, my old self has been crucified with Christ. That old me, it got killed with Jesus Christ. It is no longer I live who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, there's something that you can know for sure, whether it's true or false. Isn't that right? Or do we just hope it's true? When Holy Spirit comes to live in you, is he real? Is he pow- Does he speak to you? Does he move in you? That's the only way you're going to know if Jesus is living in you is whether the Holy Spirit is living in you. Paul says, Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body trusting in the Son of God. So it's like he, let's just transpose Christ and Holy Spirit because it's Holy Spirit comes, lives in us. And let me put it in his words, I live this life trusting the Holy Spirit in everything that I do. Trusting him relying on him, listening to him. So if that be true, I be crucified with Christ, I want you to just ponder for a minute what we would do with these words, these descriptions, self-will, independence, self-righteousness, self-control, self-indulgence. What would we have to do with those words if Paul's description was true? If, if, if I was to say, I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I that live, but I live trusting and relying on the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have to take all of those words and kill them off out of my life because they are a denial that I am relying on him. Independence, self-sufficiency. Would you like to kill off some of those words? Because if you can either have those words or you can have Holy Spirit, you can't have independence and self-reliance and self-reliance 
self-righteousness and have the Holy Spirit because he'd have to be competing with your self. And he's not going to compete with yourself because he's been depending on you being crucified. It's when you and I are crucified, we open the door for him to come and work in us. He, he doesn't wrestle with self. We get to wrestle with self, choose whether dead. Not easy. Been going too long. Okay. So I want to take you just, as I come to an end, I want to just take you through just a quick survey of the book of Romans. Because the morning when God spoke to me about this, I, I went and looked at this verse. Paul said, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished by, from start to finish by faith. And the scripture said it's through faith that a righteous person has life. Now, here's what I really felt God wanted to just emphasize to me. Paul said the gospel is good news. Being crucified with Christ is good news. Not easy, but it's good news. Dying to self is good news. I felt like God said to me, you know, pose the question, why is it good news? Because the bad news is really, really bad. Because if you are not crucified with Christ, you're on a journey to destruction. If you've not been crucified, Christ can't save you. Because you have denied why he was crucified. I'm still talking about loyalty. Still talking about loyalty. Whether you are fully planted in the kingdom of light and living for God, or whether you've got one foot in both kingdoms and trying to be a Christian, or maybe you've not shifted into the kingdom of light fully yet. So here's this overview of Romans, and I'm just going to give you headings that Paul used when he was writing to this church. The first heading I want to say is he, he, he declared that we, to them, he's saying, we're all the same in sin. Every single person is a sinner. We're, we're all the same. Then he goes on and he says, we're all the same in salvation. We all needed a saviour, the same saviour, not a different one. We all needed the same saviour. And he went on from there and he said, we're all the same in present benefits. You know, every one of God's promises is yea and amen to those who believe. You know, we all have access to the same Holy Spirit, the same power, the same promises. It's glorious. Next heading, he goes on and he says, 
We are all the same in God's history. This is chapters 9 to 11, in that we all have Abraham, who was a Gentile that got saved by faith. So it's like Paul takes 11 chapters to describe the gospel. And then right at the start of chapter 12, he writes a conclusion. He says, therefore, and some of you are going to be able to peel the therefore off for me. Can someone do it? Therefore, let me read it to you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. I absolutely love the worship this morning. Love the presence. But if you walk out of here in half an hour and and you're going on a life and doing your own thing, you just wasted your time opening your mouth. Because true worship is you surrendering your life to the King of Kings. It's acknowledging that he paid for your life, he owns your life, and he has the right to govern your life. And anything else is disloyalty. Anything else is disloyalty to the gospel. Disloyalty. Living your own life, doing your own thing, making your own choices, going where you want, setting your income, whatever, whatever, marrying whoever you want, date, what, blah, blah, blah. Do your own thing. You leave Jesus Christ out of your life. He died for nothing. If you do that. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Because this world's all about doing your own thing and doing it better than everyone else. Do not conform to that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Loyalty. A decision that you make in the depth of your heart. I said to you, it's easy to be a cheater. Because the grass over the fence can often look so much greener than the trouble you're walking in.
But if God is interested in loyalty, he's willing to work in that deep place. Teach you how to be loyal. I guess the best remedy to disloyalty would be that you pay a big cost for it. I say that because the best lessons are those that you pay the most for. And, you know, I just pray for us, the body of Christ, not just you guys, us, me, those, who rep- those of us who represent Jesus Christ in the Gladstone region, that we would allow loyalty to be something that we would refuse to let go. Because loyalty would cause you to say, no, I don't do that. I don't talk like that. I don't act like that. I can't just make up my own mind. I'm I'm working. I'm living for one. If you feel like I've smacked you around the head with a hammer this morning, I'm really sorry because I wasn't intending to hit anyone around the head. Maybe if you've got a good belt in the belly, that would be all right. If you needed it. God loves us. But he doesn't love us enough to just let us do our own thing. To live a sinful life. Because if he just let us do our own thing, whatever we like, the news isn't good. It's never changed. There is a fiery pit. And Jesus Christ died to take us out of there. To rescue us out of there. And it's really up to us whether we choose to stay out of that place. So I want to encourage you if if there's been something about this message that's touched you this morning don't go home and have lunch and forget about it I, I actually saw something just recently there was a young fella in our team went off and had a holiday came back from a holiday told us he was leaving town going somewhere else completely different hadn't talked to anyone about it God whispered in his ear and I yelled in his ear. 
he turned around and he'd never fasted before. He fasted for a week. I said, you better find out what God wants to do with your life and stop making your own plans. Fasted for a week. I said, mate, what's God saying? He says, I'm not to go anywhere. I'm to stay right here. I said, how long for? He said, until God tells me I can leave. Now, there's a good deal. That's loyalty. The other way is just making up your own plans and God never, never intended anyone to make up their own plans. You know, right at the beginning, he said to Adam and Eve, don't eat that thing. But they made up their own plans. Yeah, it looks good, tastes good. Don't do it. It's disloyalty. So <clears throat> let's not go home and if God's been speaking to you, go home and think it out, pray it out. Find out what God actually wants you to do. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, I might have painted a picture to put you off forever. Because God is so interested in commitment. And I mean commitment in block letters, underlined, bolded, whatever. He's not into party games. Coming and going as you please. He paid for your life. Paid for it. Bought it. Wants to own it. And I know, like, in 1980, that's when I gave my life to Christ. I spent 30 years messing up. But there was a day I bit the bullet. I said, as of today, God, you own me. Have I done it perfect? No one does. Am I still on the road? Yes. Loyalty. Loyalty. It's not coming and going where you want to go. Can I just tell you one more story? Because often, well, I'm sorry about the time, but I think this story will help some people. I told it to the young fellow who changed his mind. Sandy and I and kids were used to travelling up and back to Victoria for holidays. And there's, you know, that's a big two-day drive. I mean, with kids, it's a mammoth two-day drive. So there's this one time we're planning to turn off the Newell Highway and visit some of Sandy's rallies. And we still want to do it in two days. None of this mucking around. Two days, you know. One motel bill on the road. Two days. Pump it. Keep going, you know. So Sandy's dad had told me that there was a particular town and if we turned off there, it was a shortcut to the place we wanted to go. 
So I've got this on my mind. We rock into this town. I pick the street that's heading in the right direction. You beauty, this is a great shortcut. It's a lousy road though. We travel out of town for an hour and end up at a TV repeater station. I, I, I'm saving time. I'm telling, I'm saving time. I'm on this shortcut. I drive back into the town. I, I do a totally un thing. I ask someone. <laughs> <laughs> and he says to me, he said, if you just go out of town about 2Ks, you'll see the sign that says where to drive. I spent that afternoon so angry with myself, belting myself, thumping myself, and God had a really simple answer. He said, on this journey of life, Howard, you never get off the road that you're on unless I put a signpost up. Can I say that really clear? If Jesus Christ has paid for your sins, you do not own your own life. You cannot do what you please. Because to do what you please is disloyalty. Because he paid to own you. Kate, you'd better come and I'd better sit down. Brothers and sisters, I thank you for listening to me. If you've never given your life to Christ, do it today. It's just a simple decision. Gut-wrenching, but simple decision. It simply says, Jesus Christ, you've paid for me, you own me, I give you my life. You could do it just as, we don't have to have bells and whistles, it's just something you do on the inside of you. I made my decision out in a paddock, let the dust settle. It's God hearing you that's powerful. Thanks, Kate.